So welcome to the show. I'm David Speed. I'm Adam Brazier. And this is Creative Rebels. Uh, it's a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. We started our first company, Graffiti Life, in a small garage. Yeah, it wasn't easy. But we built the company up to the stage where now we're regularly working with brands like Disney and Nike. And we've been lucky enough to make art all over the world. On this podcast, we interview successful creators. Their advice will enable you to take action and turn your passion into a career. There's literally been no better time in history to make a career from being creative. So many people are going to tell you that you can't do it, but we're here to tell you that you definitely can. Right, let's do a podcast. Welcome back, Rebels, to another episode of Creative Thinking. Oh, that was good. Thank you. Very professional. <laughs> uh, this is an easy one. Today's question comes from Chris, who emailed us, connect at rebelscreate.com. And he says that uh, he's finding a morning routine really hard. Uh, he's been trying to get up at 5 a.m. for the past week. And because that's all the advice that he's seeing yeah. everywhere online, get up at 5 a.m. Uh, and he says by the time it gets to 3 p.m. in the afternoon, he's absolutely wrecked. I'd say the first thing here is I wonder what time you went to bed. Yeah. Because it's fair enough getting up early, but if you're not getting the actual sleep that you need, you're just going to be exhausted the next day. And also those first few days are going to be harder as well. Like if you go straight into it, don't think that's how it's going to be going forward. Because what I always like to think is like, if you go on holiday and you're in a different time zone, you, if you normally wake up at seven and you move two, two hours the other way, you're waking up at five every day anyway. So it's just adapting to like getting a, like a time zone for your body to live in. Do you think that then is, some of it is mental, that like, oh, I, I feel like I'm tired, so I am behaving tired. Because when I'm on holiday, I'm a little bit groggy for the first day, but it doesn't affect my whole week because yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm on holiday and everything's cool. I think what happens most of the time when people start getting up early is they start getting up early, but don't change anything else. They don't start going to bed earlier. They still have the same evening routine as they did previously, especially like if you're in a relationship or you're living with other people who've got their set times and they go to bed at this time. If you start to go to bed earlier, then there's still other things going on in the house and it's like you're not getting used to that. So what I would suggest doing and what I did um, when I first started to try and get up earlier was to go to bed earlier, get a face mask so there's kind of like no light on there. So if anyone comes in the room or anything, it's like dark. Uh, get some earplugs and just try and like force yourself into that routine. Yeah, being dark is really important. So your skin actually can detect when it's light outside and that's when it kicks in the hormone for you to start to wake up. Yeah. The, whatever the chemicals are that, that um, you experience when it's sunny outside. So, and because uh, it switches us from being nighttime creatures to being daytime creatures. Yeah. So in order for that to happen, our body has to change. And so there are receptors on your skin that, so like try and be in a darkened room. So get blackout curtains or anything like that. Another thing, Thing. another good tip is to use 15 minute increments so rather than just like going if you normally get up at eight instead of like just boom getting up at five go 7:45, 7:30. just yeah. like like each each couple of days start peeling it back 15 minutes because then it's not such a shock to the system and also be really honest with yourself because a lot of it comes down to self-discipline mm -hmm. uh, if you've set yourself a bedtime most of us know how much sleep we need yeah um I, i'm an eight hours guy there's some people who are fine with six um but it's normally like six to eight is, is kind of your yeah. average isn't it but be really disciplined if you're setting yourself this is my bedtime are you really sticking to it so what i do is 
at 9.30 I come off screens, which has been suffering recently because of the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> um, and so I, I have been not sticking to my own role and I have been more tired as a result as yeah. well. So um, normally what I do when I'm being well behaved is stop looking at screens at 9 p.m. Um, and then I go to bed at 10. Um, sometimes it's 9.30 if I've got like emails that I really want to get back yeah. to, but um, cutting off of screens. And then that that last half an hour at 9.30, I like to put a podcast on, um, be in a darkened room if possible. Um, again, that is because you're you're gradually telling your brain to calm your body down. What are you listening to podcasts on? Um, so you know me, normally most of the content that I'm going to consume is going to be business, it's going to be personal development. Yeah. Uh, it's actually pro wrestling podcasts that oh, I will cool. listen to. I will listen to very niche Japanese pro wrestling podcasts, um, finding out what's going on over in the Tokyo Dome. And that for me is uh, really exciting. It's it's just like, that's what I completely like de-stress to. I think that's great because I know a lot of people will go to bed and like read some fiction and what they always say is don't go to bed with something that's work related because then you're just going to be processing it the whole night and you're not going to sleep properly because your brain's active well there is the advice isn't there of if you're if you've got a problem always sleep on it yeah and because your 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 brain does go to work on solving problems um and you will often find especially if you're if you do something like crafty like with your hands or something like that if you're if you're trying to work out like a specific way you're going to make the paint go yeah and then you sleep on it in the morning you'll actually be better because your brain has been doing that action over and over again in your sleep i think that works really really well if you need to solve a problem but if you need to wake up early yeah that's not a good thing to do um because yeah because i know like I used to get it all the time where I'd go to basically be working up until bed and then getting to bed and I just couldn't sleep for yeah, hours. Yeah, because you're mull- mulling it, turning exactly. it over and over and you're over. having all these different ideas. So I used to keep a notepad by my bed to write down these ideas because I would just be thinking all the time. And then I realised what an awful idea that is because then it makes me think of ideas and makes me stop sleeping, write yeah, stuff yeah. down. And then you have to try and get back to sleep again. So yeah, it's all about having that like nice routine before bed. Like I don't do it very often, but... If I read, I'll literally, I'll pick up a book and within two pages, I'll be absolutely exhausted. So there's no point in me trying to read before bed because... Unless you're looking for a way to send you off. Yeah, which is is perfect. But it means I don't ever get through a book because I only last about two minutes and I'm straight asleep. Yeah. And so why are you trying to get up early is another important question to ask because I think a lot of people are doing it because it's quite trendy at the moment. Mm -hmm. If it's making you miserable, then don't. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with getting up. Like we interviewed uh, my good friend, Paul Elliott on the podcast. And he was talking about how he's, there's no way he's getting up before like eight, nine, 10 in the morning yeah. because his, his creative uh, prime comes at about sort of 11 o'clock midday. That's when he's going to start working. Yeah. And for us, like we've been up since five, like, or like half five. That's, that's like, that's the middle of the day for us. That's the yeah. beginning of his day. See, I love the mornings because in the evenings, everyone's kind of around and I can't really have time to focus. Like in our household environment, there's nowhere I can really go to be quiet. But if I wake up early in the morning, then I've got the whole kind of like kitchen lounge area to myself for like a good two hours. And that's a really nice time to just kind of get all my work done and just do whatever I need to do without being disturbed. I think what a lot of people really struggle with is that actually getting out of bed. I think that is like the hardest part of like getting up in the morning, that kind of self, like that motivation, that willing yourself to just like fucking do it. And I think the best advice that I've ever learned was just get your feet on the ground. All you have to do is get your feet to touch the ground 
annual get up because it's that like to actually lay there and just kind of like get out and put your feet out that's the hardest part but then it's easy to stand up once your feet are out of the bed so definitely that's my top tip if I do that from my bed, then that means I'm out You're of the bed. You're about a metre and a half up, aren't you? Yeah, my bed's really high off the ground because we've got a storage unit underneath the bed. So, yeah, I have to literally jump out of bed uh, in order for that to happen. <laughs> yeah. So it definitely works for me. Yeah. It comes down to discipline. Getting out of bed is its not impossible. It's just we don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. It's cosy. It's nice. You're in a sleepy state. Your body's not ready for the morning yet. Getting out of bed is always going to be hard it's, there's no there's not ever going to be a magic thing that is going to make it super easy for you it's just getting into the habit and it is pure self-discipline for me certainly the last thing I ever want to do is get out of bed but I I instill it within myself that I have no other option I've got to get out of bed and it's because I have to go to the gym and because I have to go to the gym in order to get to the gym I have to get out of bed I think that's a really good point having because before you go to bed you know the next morning you've got to get up and go to the gym when people really struggle is when they get up and then they're like, what do I do now? I've got up early. Now I expect everything to be better. But that's not the case. You have to plan before you go to sleep what you're going to do the next morning and actually think, so when you wake up, you're like, okay, well, if I lie here now, this isn't going to happen. Whereas if you don't do that, you'll lie in bed and think, well, nothing's, I'm not going to miss out on anything if I don't get up. So it's like setting yourself those goals before you go to sleep and then wake up and then going to do them. Yeah, giving yourself stakes. I, I like that. The one thing that I will do is I don't set an alarm on a Sunday. So on a Sunday, I will wake up when I wake up. Yeah. And typically, because I am in the habit, it's normally pretty early. But if I then want to go back to bed, I let myself go back to bed. Yeah, I do exactly the same. Like I've got um, on my Apple Watch, I've got, I set an alarm that's vibrate only. So it can wake me up in the morning and like not wake my partner up. And, but on the weekend, I'll put my watch on charge. So I don't, I don't have it on me, so I wake up naturally whenever I need to. Having set a set bedtime and a set get-up time is a really, really good way to build your willpower and and an easy way to do it. And I think if you can build credibility with yourself, so you say to yourself, I always get up at this time and I always go to bed at this time, then that's something that you can start to build into your personality. You can start to build it into your identity. And then... Um, from there you can build other habits on top of that yeah definitely Uh, this question comes in from Jennifer Rose Uh, she says it's my intention to work as a freelance designer stroke illustrator she's just getting started but wondering if we have any advice on finding your niche oh good question like I think finding a niche is so important and so exciting at the same time because it's like when you first get started you don't I'd say you don't have to worry about having a specific niche straight off the bat I think your first step should be trying to find out what your niche should be and like what you enjoy basically when it comes to like design and illustration you could literally do anything you could do design and illustration around video games you could do it around food you could do it around golf literally Literally anything anything, swimming what like what do you love roller skating i'm just naming sports now but <laughs> whatever it is that you love you could do illustration and design around that around that theme and and be gainfully employed in yeah. almost any niche that there is yeah, i think that's what's the really really important thing is just finding out what you like like if you massively dislike food don't start doing stuff about food yeah. like find stuff that you enjoy and if there's multiple things that you do enjoy just try all of them and then see which 
by doing them which you enjoy the most. I think that's the tra- the trap can be, isn't it? Is that a certain niche will be offering more money than another one? Yeah. So I see it with a lot of photographers who end up doing wedding photography and it's not the thing that they yeah. wanted to do, but it pays really well, so mm-hmm. they do it. And then, although they are doing a creative job, they actually end up unhappy because it's yeah. not what fulfills them. And that's I think that's a real trap that we need to avoid. Doing that's really short-term thinking as well. I know a lot of people who do the wedding game go into like wedding photography and then find it really hard to come back out of it. And then they're bitter that other people are further ahead than them who are more specialised in a niche. I think if you want to do it as a side thing, as like if you really need money at the start, then that's fine. But don't make that your whole thing unless you really want that to be your whole thing forever. Yeah, and have a separate account. Yeah. Because it's it's when you, if you build your entire following based on a thing that you're not going to do forever yeah. and then all of a sudden you change, that's a, a disconnect for your current audience who have come to expect one thing from you. And they're probably not willing to go on a journey for you to do all of a sudden do nature photography if they've just been following weddings so yeah definitely like just try lots of different things that you enjoy doing like if you're a like a designer try all sorts of different things do some like magazine style stuff do some more illustration based things like do some logo design and just see what you enjoy the most and from there start to build a portfolio of work that resembles that and then start to approach clients that are based around that niche and you're like, it doesn't matter as well if you think, okay, let's try this. You start to build a portfolio, you go and get some jobs and then you start doing them. And you're like, actually, maybe I don't enjoy this. Like, it's completely fine. Like, it's when you're getting started, just try as many things as possible because you might find something further down the line that you absolutely love that you didn't even realise you liked at the start. And I mean, talking about niches, I know someone who, his niche is pro wrestling. So I know probably... I mean, you don't know very much about this topic, but he just started doing uh, designs of wrestlers for yeah. his own for his own fun. Um, CM Punk, Hulk Hogan, famous wrestlers. He would do um, digital. He was making digital prints of them, and through sharing that work, he started to get a little bit of work working for like independent promotions. So, an independent promotion will put on pro wrestling in your local yeah. area, um, and they'll promote shows and things like that. He started doing a little bit of of work for some of those, and over the years, he's grown that now into a, like a really successful business. Where, in fact, he actually got picked up by WWE, which is the the largest wrestling promotion in the whole of the world and uh, actually did a poster for one of their live events so i mean the this is and this is starting like such on such a small scale firstly producing for yourself just like basically fan art and then eventually ending up working for sort of one of the biggest companies in the world i suppose with picking something you don't want to pick something so niche that there's not the market for it i think it's really important to think like well if there are with wrestling promotions say there's how like there's obviously a limit to how many actual events happen every year so if you're based in the uk and you're doing uk-based promotions and there's only 40 events a year that work can't be split between too many people so i think you do really need to think about the market as well unless as you're just, the best unless you're the absolute best yeah, but yeah if and, and if i mean if you outwork everyone else if you go to every single show, if you set up a table outside where all the all of the fans are queuing to get into the venue, yeah. if you're hungry and if you're clever at marketing and if you get make sure you get on the radar of, of all of the organisations and you get featured by them, then I think that could definitely work. I think it is completely possible, but when you're getting started, 
that's not going to be the case. And if you've got bills to pay... I will choke slam you through this table. <laughs> but yeah, I think you, you do have to kind of look at the market and think, well, is there are people actually employing for this? Because if you're massive into designing stuff from 1996 and there's not really a market no one's really purchasing that like you need to be a bit broader you need to think like well look at the market and think like well who is getting employed where does it look like there's enough work and then go down that route with something you enjoy doing i suppose i really like the food analogy that we touched on the in the beginning because you could then go you could go super niche within food yeah that you could just illustrate around chinese cuisine yeah and then become known and established within that but then you can also spread out because it is still within food yeah so like a niche within a niche is is quite cool yeah, as well i think that's a great way to think about it and with the wrestling analogy you made before if you're massively into wrestling and you can't get those wrestling jobs go sports yeah. and try and think of the bigger niche as a whole and or niche if you're listening in america um niche uh the biggest niche as a whole because then yeah, you can move around within that area and you can be flexible. But if you pick something really, really specific to start with, you might find it too hard to move around. And what you'll find is as you start on your journey, it will actually take you elsewhere. I think just starting is the main key because just pick something and go for it. If you think you might have fun doing that, it will lead somewhere because that's what always happens. And I think what you'll find and what certainly what I found so many people I've spoken to is that the plans that you have in the beginning for where you think your career is going to end up almost never happen. Yeah. They always end up taking these weird turns because of different opportunities that you pursue due to the path that you're creating for yourself. Yeah, and a lot of people we talk to as well are too they don't they haven't started yet because they're too busy trying to pick this niche. They're trying to get too specific and too perfect with it to start with. But yeah, just start because that that's the most important thing and you won't find out what you like doing unless you start doing something like you can only find what you don't like doing by starting pick something go with it and see where it takes you definitely Nora says that she's thinking about doing uh, Facebook and Instagram ads is it a waste of money so a lot of people say yes it's a massive waste of money Overwhelmingly, the advice I've seen online is people saying that Facebook and Instagram ads are a huge waste of money. Yeah, I think that's because most people, their experience of ads is being on their phone, seeing a thing pop up saying, would you like to promote this? And you click, yes, here's five, ten pounds or whatever. And nothing comes of it. What most people do is if you're an illustrator or a painter, you're, you've not been trained in marketing You've not been trained by, you're, you don't work for Saatchi and Saatchi. Yeah. So you have to learn what it takes to get people to actually follow through on whatever your your advertisement is aiming to get them to do. Yeah. And that's a really hard thing to do. I mean, we found it when we started this podcast. I mean, we weren't using paid ads, but we were trying to get people to listen to something mm-hmm. that they didn't know what it was. They didn't have a proven track record. We couldn't say this has been downloaded a million times yeah. because it hadn't yet. So it's it's working out the the copy and the image and everything perfectly so that you relay to whoever is on the receiving end of your ad how it's going to va- benefit them and bring value to their lives. Yeah. I think that the most important thing for me is why are you having an ad? 
Like, what's the purpose of this? Is it to sell a product or is it just to grow your following? Because if it's just to gain a following, then you've got to think about that user's experience. So you've got to think, if they see an ad and it's kind of tempting enough for them to get them to your page, is are they going to follow you from there? Like, are they going to see enough value just off kind of seeing your profile to want to follow you? That's quite an ask. However... Thousands of people are building successful businesses on the back of Facebook and Instagram ads and any sort of internet ads. There are there are some people who have been so successful with it. So it's definitely an option. Yeah. And there are some businesses that rely on fully on their income. Uh, I'm sure you will have seen on your Facebook feed things like um, like T-shirt companies. A lot of them are using, and a lot of dropshipping companies are using yeah. these, these platforms to make an absolute killing. And it is working. Yeah, I think with that, it comes down to experience and targeting. Like what is absolutely great about Facebook or Instagram or any kind of digital ad is you can target people so, so specifically. So for example, you're a jewellery company and you want to sell wedding rings. Then I would start to target people who've just bought a house because it's quite often people who've bought a house are then going to get engaged, then they're going to get married. Just really specifically thinking about who these people are, where they are in their life at the moment, and really, really targeting them. Like, because you can target for literally anything. Like, you can find out who people who've just bought a house, find out people who've just got engaged. You can find out how many, you can target people with kids. You can target to people like so, so specifically because everyone's data is in all of these medium. What I would generally say to people is you need to kind of like look at the value of what you're selling and how much an ad is going to cost. If you're selling for a product for a thousand pounds, and you can put £200 in to get a sale, that's a good way to advertise because you don't actually need that many people to come over to purchase your product. Whereas if you're selling water bottles for £7 each and they cost you £4 to buy and you've only got a £3 markup and you're, it's like £1.50 worth of an ad to sell, then you're not really making much there. You do the math. <laughs> yes. I'd definitely say if you've got a product with a larger value, you're probably much more like going to get much more benefit from ads unless your targeting is so, so specific. I think if you're selling a smaller product, you need to be an expert at targeting and really, really know who your audience is. And I think that as well comes down to just knowing who your audience is and doing a full profile analysis on all of your customers and working out exactly who they are. Like what do they listen to? Where do they shop? What kind of magazines do they buy? What content do they consume? Really getting an understanding of who they are because since you know that, then you can target those people really specifically that you couldn't do with a TV ad or a print ad or something that's just like a billboard in the street. Because if there's just a billboard in the street, like you're appealing to everyone. Whereas if you've got a really, really targeted ad, that's going to be for you. And I think as well, having it so it feels like if you, if you had an ad that was actually felt like it's appealing right at you, so there was someone in the ad who was your age, your race, like your demographic to a T, and it was like, well, this product's for people like you. And that's why people buy things, because people like to buy things that feel like it's for them. 100% agree. And it's very important to know how your customer behaves. So... Are they going to be buying your product if they're scrolling on Instagram? I think an Instagram ad is much more of an impulse buy. Yeah. So if it's a T-shirt or a print, that might go really well on, on with an Instagram ad. However, if they're looking for a service, so for example, with our company, Graffiti Life, if they were looking to hire a graffiti artist, they're probably not going to be searching for that on Instagram. They're probably going to search for, on Google, where where we do utilize Google AdWords because we, so we, that we would pop up on their feed for that. So 
it's knowing the behaviors of your of your customers and and also the the room that they might be looking for you in because you can put a a bunch of spend into instagram but if that's not where your target customers are hanging out or they might be hanging out there but they're not thinking about work or whatever it is that you offer that that's related to work in that space then then it won't work yeah i think the timing is really important as well because if, you're, if you've got a business that's a service-based business, then LinkedIn might be a much better place to, to advertise because you can target people who work in a specific company. So if you really wanted to work for a specific company, you could just target your ad at every single person who works in that company and then target it between the hours of nine to five because then you know that those people are in work probably looking for a service at that time. Whereas if you're targeting an ad at 7 to 10 p.m. in the evening, there's a good chance people are in more of a relaxed mindset there they might buy smaller products but no one's going to go and spend over a grand just on a purchase whilst they're watching tv in the evening and if your target audience is seven years old to 15 years old then they're probably hanging out on tiktok yeah if they are 40 to 60 years old then they're probably hanging out on facebook it's knowing where they're going to be and at what time they might be there yeah definitely so i think everything really comes down to targeting and marketing. So it's basically understanding where your audience is going to be and then how to target them that feels like it's for them. Where they are and how to talk to them. Targeting, marketing. Thanks for listening. We're trying to help a lot of people with this show, so we need your help to grow the community and spread our message. If you know someone who'd benefit from hearing what we talked about today, or they just need a little nudge in the right direction, pass this podcast on to them. If you want to hear more, then subscribe to us on iTunes. And if we helped you with anything, we'll really love you forever. If you can leave us an iTunes review, it makes a huge difference. See ya.